And I say it's so much more when love is real It's the touch of her hand on my cheek that I feel And I know when I lie away Well, hello. Welcome back. I hope you uh, did the exercise from last week and had fun doing it to find a little exercise, a, a little uh, metaphor, a little line that kind of pulled through uh, all of your relatives, something that was maybe both genetic or something that you learned. Anyway, I hope it was helpful. And this time we're going to talk a little bit more about who am I. I suppose I could do a year on who am I, but um, we'll do it again today. And I just wanted to say, I hope you thought that was fun last week. I hope you think all of these exercises are fun because poetry to me is a puzzle. People who know me know I love doing jigsaw puzzles. I love doing Sudoku puzzles. I do crossword puzzles, any kind of puzzles. You tell me about it and I'll do it. I think it's fun. But I've always thought of poetry as a puzzle and I make up my own rules. That's what's so cool. I say, oh, this one's going to rhyme, or this one has to have five beats to the line, or whatever it has to be. I make up my own rules, and then I write something for it. It's my own puzzle. So if you think of writing poetry as a puzzle, that it's something fun, it's not something your teacher makes you do, or whatever. Um, I hope you're enjoying these as much as I do. Okay, so this time we're going to do um, another poem about, oh, by the way, this is all in the Inversing Your Life series. This is number six in the series. But this time I'm going to read a poem from a different one of my, actually two different uh, different ones of my books. Um, this time I'm going to read a poem from my book called Conversing with God, uh, Poetry for Pastoral Counseling and Spiritual Direction. I loved writing this book. This was This was really fun. But anyway, here is the poem from this one. Let me tell you a little bit, a uh, little history of this poem, uh, why I wrote this. The poem's called Catbird 1609C. One day, my husband and I were canoeing down the St. Croix River, uh, which separates Minnesota and Wisconsin, uh, my fi- one of my favorite places in the world. And all of a sudden, we came to this net that was strung across the entire St. Croix River. Um, not where it's in a lake, but down where it was a river. And this net was strung there, and there was this scientist standing there. And so we kind of went under the net with our canoe, and we stopped, and we said, what are you doing here? What are you trying to catch in this net? And he said, well, we're catching birds, and then, you know, when we catch them, we, you know, put our little sticker on them, and uh, and then see if they come back next year, and the next year, and the next year. And And I said to him, do they? You know, do, do you keep finding the same birds year after year after year? And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, not only do we see the same birds every year, the same bird comes at the exact time, the day, the time of day, the exact bird, the same bird comes to the exact same place in the net every year. Boy, did that surprise me. Well, I went home and wrote this poem. It's called Catbird 1609C. The science man waits. He says, Catbird 1609C will fly into the net 
at the center left of the right quadrant at half past four today, as it does every year in its migration north. I laugh, not because I don't believe, but because I've always known. My grandmother has walked into Cannon Valley Church every Sunday at 9.30 for nearly 92 years, knelt in the soil of her rose bed on the first crisp days of May, gathered her garden raspberries by the 19th of July. Mother, too, knows her place under the trees her hands planted half century ago, trees that shade her farm, their arms surrounding spring fiddleheads of, of fern, wild ginger, palm flowers, and deep-growing bloodroot. The science man waits. Could this be the year Catbird 1609C does not come by either death or choice, does not follow the river north to the same meadows and nest? Grandmother prunes roses. Mother waters wildflowers. The science man knows when his birds will arrive within seconds of time and milliliters of space. While I laugh and move to the city, placing my belongings in a car full of cardboard boxes, leaking black soil from slips of lily and tiny plants of strawberry that will grow to be ever-bearing. Think about this one. Hmm, that actually did happen to me. Birds are that programmed. That's, that's just astounding to me that they're that programmed. But here's what I want to talk about. Remember in that last line? My grandma's kind of programmed to do those things. My mother's kind of programmed to do those things. Um, I don't know who programmed them. Maybe my grandmother programmed my mother. We don't know. <laughs> but they do them. But what do I do at the end? I laugh and I'm moving to the city. I'm getting out of the, the country, the flowers, all of that. I'm moving to the city, but what am I bringing with me? <laughs> Slips of lily and strawberry plants that will grow to be what? Do you remember that word? That will grow to be everbearing. Now, if you don't know plants, you don't know what never-bearing plant is. Well, strawberries are only supposed to grow in the in Minnesota, anyway, in the month of June. And then they're done. But there are now new strawberries that they've developed that are ever-bearing. In other words, they keep bearing strawberries all summer long. Not as many as the ones did in June. But, you know, you keep getting some strawberries all summer long. So they're called ever-bearing. And I have that in my book that I move to the city and I take along the strawberries that will grow to be everbearing. But it sounds a lot like a word like it, which is overbearing, doesn't it? And what does that mean? What's the difference between everbearing and overbearing? <laughs> um, think, think about that one for a minute. And I, I'm going to give you an exercise right now, and you're going to get another one later. Actually, the other one later is easier than this one. But I want you to write what's going in my soil. Is it ever-bearing or overbearing? What is my soil like? Now, those of you who uh, read the Bible, read the scriptures, 
know that there's a parable in the New Testament called um, the parable of the sower. And the sower takes these seeds and just throws them, throws them everywhere. Doesn't matter where. And some of the seed lands on rocky soil. Some of it lands on sandy soil. Some of it lands on good soil. Okay. Now, there are a lot of ways to interpret that. As a Christian, Christian would say, oh, well, the, the word of God has to land on good soil so you become a, a good Christian. But I want you to think about it in terms of your own life and what your soil is like. Remember, I just asked you to write what's growing in my soil. Is my soil rocky? Is it sandy? Is it good soil? Is it compost? <laughs> Long before I knew what the word compost meant and had my own compost pile, both my mother and my grandmother composted all of our garbage. We didn't have garbage collection when I was a kid. My mother and my grandmother would take the garbage, you know, the potato peels and the, you know, whatever it was, and they would dig it in the garden. And um, no matter what it was, what time of year, it got dug in the garden. And eventually, it all became part of that wonderful garden soil. <laughs> what is what is compost? Compost is the yucky stuff left that nobody wants, right? Can't eat it. Blech. But what does it make? It makes wonderful soil. Can you? Make something out of your compost and your soil. So that's the first thing to kind of think about today. And that's, the compost is kind of what, what was given to you. But you made something out of that compost. Or what are you making out of it? That's the environment part, isn't it? Really, really, really important. Now, I want you to think a little bit, because this is, again, who, who am I? I want you to think a little bit about that soil that you grew up in, in that home you grew up in. Did you have brothers and sisters? If you did, and I had one of each, brother and a sister, younger brother, older sister, I would ask you, did you all grow up in the same soil? And if you did, how come you turned out so differently? Or maybe your brother and sister turned out a lot like you. Mine didn't. <laughs> Mine are really, really different than me. The older I get, the more I seem more like my sister. But boy, for most of my life, I thought we were really, really different. She's, she's more of a business person, and I am totally not. My brother has totally different politics than I do. Um, how did that happen if we all grew up in the same soil? Was it the same soil? If you have a garden of your own, you might know that some things that you plant in your garden work. And some things that are just a couple, you know, a couple feet away don't work because they needed a different kind of soil. I want you to think of that metaphor in terms of your family. And how was that soil different for your siblings and how they turned out rather than how you turned out? Because again, that soil is something that's given to you. But what do you do with that soil? And is there anything you can do with the soil? I know in my, in my case, uh, my father died when I was 13. My sister was older than me, so she had lived longer with my father than I had. My brother was three years younger, so he lived 
three years less time with my father. So he would have been way less influenced by him than my sister. Um, and I'm kind of in the middle there. You've probably read a whole lot of stuff about, um, you know, placement in the family. My sister was first child. Whoa, first child. Everybody looks forward to the first child, don't they? The grandparents, the parents, it's like, oh, this is so exciting. And then my brother was the baby. Um, <laughs> we know what people think about babies. They can do no wrong, right? And I was right in the middle. Wasn't the first girl. I was the second girl. Mm-mm. Weren't looking for a girl. Wasn't the baby. Wasn't the first one. That middle child has different soil than, than the other ones, don't they? I want you to think about that in your own family. Who am I? Because of the soil that I was put into. Okay. So anyway, I think that's that's a really, a really interesting concept to think about. I'm going to read another poem for you today. And and this one is is very simple, and this is the one I'm going to give you an assignment from. But like I said before, this is really easy. I used to do this every every time I gave a you know, a workshop somewhere. This is how I would have everyone introduce themselves to one another. This is an acrostic. And if you have kids in elementary school, you know what an acrostic is. It means you just take a word and you take the letters of that word and write them vertically. Uh, let's say it's Halloween and you write the words H A uh, letters H-A-L-L-O-W-E-E-N down. And then, gee, what do I think about Halloween? H, happy, A, you know, whatever, too bad doesn't have a C in it for candy. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's what an acrostic is. You take a word and you put it vertically and then you write something starting with each one of those letters. Now, the reason I would use that in workshops is because I would have everyone write their name vertically. Now, I would, all, I would always say you can use a nickname, you can use your first name, middle name, last name. I don't care. Most people would take the shortest one of those. You know, if their nickname was Sal, <laughs> that'd be easy. I only have to do three letters. But anyway, you take your name and you write it vertically, and then you describe yourself by using words that start with the letter of that name. Okay, so I'm going to read you mine. Now, this is a very simple one. And when I was younger, I went by the nickname Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y. And so this tells you how long ago I wrote this because I did it to the name Cindy. So it's C-I-N-D-Y. C, changing every moment, but I, inside, knowing who I am. N, never wanting to be bored. D, defiant. Some call it stubborn. Why? Yelling from the inside. I call it poetry. I like that. Yelling from the inside is poetry. It really is, isn't it? So what I'm doing for you is I want you, obviously, to take your name and describe yourself that way. What do you find out about yourself 
by trying to figure out how to describe yourself using only those letters of your name. Now, if you have the time, I want you to do it more than once. If you do it at seven in the morning, how would you describe yourself? If you do it at seven at night, how would you describe yourself? If you do it in the middle of your workday, how would you describe yourself? If you do it on a weekend, how would you describe yourself? If you do it when you're feeling loved, how would you describe yourself? If you do it feeling lonely, how would you describe yourself? And look at all of those. Put them all together because they're all you, aren't they? And figure out, who am I? Who am I? And could I describe myself to another person by using these few letters and words? And I will leave you with that today. And I hope between last time and this time, you have a better understanding of who you are. At least who you are at this moment in time, because we're always changing, aren't we? Next week, we'll be somebody different. And next week, I'll have another topic. And I think I'm going to be talking about change next time. and how change affects who we are. I don't mean money change. I mean all the changes in the world and how they affect who we are. So, till then, it's been great, and I'll see you next week. So Bye. much more when love is real It's the touch of her hand on my cheek that I feel And I know when I lie away my every care he'll take and i say so much more